You may have heard this story before. I call it the story of the starfish. One day, an elderly man was walking down uh, the beach in the very uh, beginning of the day. In fact, the sun was just uh, cresting over the horizon. And down the beach, he saw what seemed to be a, a dancer twirling and spinning. And he was curious. He got closer. He discovered it was a young man. And the young man was reaching down and taking starfish and spinning and throwing them back out into the sea. For thousands of starfish had washed up on the beach. And the man approached, the elderly man approached the younger man and said, what are you doing? He's saying, well, I'm putting the starfish back in the sea. And the elderly man said, he said, son, look around you. There are thousands of thousands of starfish. What difference can you possibly make? The young man looked at the starfish in his hand, and he took it and he flung it out into the sea, and he said, I made a difference for that one. Amen. You know? Recently, Hurricane Dorian destroyed many parts of the Bahamas. Hurricane Dorian, for, for those of us living in South Florida, is kind of a, oh, a distant memory now. But for those living in the Bahamas who were devastated, it, it's a daily nightmare. We might look at the Bahamas and, and think, as a bridge, what difference can we possibly make? Well, in the grand scheme, probably not a lot. But we've been busily at work since the hurricane. And we have formed a committee here at the church, a ministry team, to reach out not to the Bahamas, but one particular village in the Bahamas. And we've established a relationship now with two churches and their pastors and with the help of Barnabas's uh, father, who's a member of one of the churches, we are now building a support structure. We can't help the whole Bahamas, but we can help somebody. It'll make a difference in their life. And so what we're going to do, and I know so many of you, when it initially happened, you wanted to help, and, and our hearts were there, and we kind of said, wait, oh, just you know, wait. Because what often happens is we, we, we get involved, and we just start flooding people with things that they really don't need. So we're talking to them, and we're coordinating with them, and we're going to do this over a period of time now to help this little community get back on its feet, to help the people of the church be the bridge to the people in their, their neighborhood. And so we asked, you know, what, what, what do you need? And there are several things, but one of the things they identified was that they need generators, preferably a combination propane, gasoline-fed generators. He said one of the problems is water. And they said they have wells that have fresh water, but they have no electricity to get the water up to the surface. They need generators. They have power tools, but they don't have any way to empower them. And, and so they said, we could really use some generators. And so first phase, first starfish were thrown back in, is our ushers are going to come forward this morning. I hope you got the email. We sent an email uh, home this week saying that we were going to have a special offering this morning just for this cause. 
Now, if you're going to write a check to the offering, you, you, you can write it to the Bridge Church. And I, every penny of this offering is going to go towards this relief and other offerings that we may have in the future. I'll give you a few moments to, to get it ready. If you don't have time to prepare a gift right now, you didn't come prepared to prepare a gift, we're going to keep collecting. You can go online and you can give through text to give. You can take one of the offering envelopes in the seat in front of you and you can put Bahamas or relief on it, put an offering in there. And then we are going to reach out and really be the bridge to these people. I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited that, that we can actually see, and we've got everything, all the logistics arranged, we can actually get the things to these people. And so we are gonna help some folks, we're gonna be the bridge, and uh, we'll give you regular reports. In fact, the pastor may come over from one of the churches and give us a report. But uh, this morning, this offering was, is just for this relief effort. And every penny of this offering will go to that relief effort. Now, remember, we still, this is a special offering above our tithes and offerings that you will give, as we normally do, at the end of the service as you leave. But for right now, let's, let's pray for these folks, and let's pray over this offering. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be the bridge to our brothers and sisters in the Bahamas. And although the, the relief effort is massive, and when we look at the big picture, we think, what difference can we make? But wow, we can make a difference to these brothers and sisters in this village, in this little town. And so, Lord, help us now. Help us to do this in this neighborhood. And, Lord, bless this offering that we take. And may, may it not just be support from the Bridge Church here in the United States, but may the people there see, see it as you reaching out to them with your love and your provision. Bless them and help them as they recover from this storm as they try to put their homes back together and their lives back together, their community back together. Lord, help us to be encouragement to them in this task. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're in a study of the book of Colossians. We're getting towards the end, of, but I'll tell you, there's so much in this book. Every time I think, okay, I'm, I'm gonna finish this, I start studying and I start looking at it more and I go, oh no, we, we gotta cover that, we can't skip this, we can't skip that, this is too important. Last week, we, we got to Colossians 3.16, where it talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude at our heart. And we had an amazing praise and worship service last week. If you, if you missed it last week, you really missed a dynamic service. People were even saying that it, it changed their life. And it, it was amazing. And it's good to praise and worship the Lord. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned to you that many of the advances, the positive advances in humanity, in the world, in culture, have come about because of the influence of Christianity. Dinesh D'Souza, in one of his books, says it this way. Christianity is responsible for the way our society is organized and for the way we currently live. So extensive is the Christian contribution to our laws, our economics, our politics, our arts, our calendar, our holidays, our moral and cultural priorities that historian J.M. Robers writes in The Triumph of the West, we could none of us today be what we are if a handful of Jews nearly 2,000 years ago had not believed that they had known a great teacher, seen him crucified and buried and then rise again. In other words, if it wasn't for people who came to faith in Jesus Christ, was, wasn't for the teachings of Jesus Christ, coupled then with the teachings of the early church, this world wouldn't be anything like it is today. Now, nowhere is Christianity's positive influence better observed 
than in the most intimate of human relationships. So today, we're going to start looking at some radical relationships. Let's look at the passage that we're going to cover over the next couple weeks. Beginning in verse 18 of chapter 3, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, there's a lot to cover in that passage. And so I thought that we would start with the two first relationships that the passage talks about, and that is the relationship between husbands and wives in Christian marriages. It's a radical proposition. It's a radical relationship that, that, that Scripture puts forth. First it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, that's not a very popular premise in our culture today, is it? Amen. It's not at all. <laughs> One group that has resisted this and really attacked Christianity because of it are some feminists. They have concerns of the gender differences that it suggests. Existential and phenomenological feminists focus on how women have been marginalized and defined as others in a patriarchal society. In other words, it's an other gender. When they're saying, really, our genders are manufactured. Some feminists say that, specify on, on how masculinity is developed through socialization and how development interacts with the process of developing femininity in girls. In other words, they say there really is no gender difference. Gender difference is engineered through systemic socialization and the way that we teach boys and girls to respond to life. There's really no difference between the genders. And scripture is, is implying that there is. They would also object to gender inequality. Feminist theories that focus on gender equality recognize that women's location in and experience of social situations are not only different, but also unequal to men. And many would look at that passage and say, God's saying that women are inferior to men. They're not equal to men. Another issue would be that some point out that this gender inequality exists for women in heterosexual marriage and that women don't even benefit from marriage. So women, you should not get marriage because you're putting yourself in a relationship that demeans womanhood. Some would also view it as not only different and promoting inequality, but being oppressive in nature. Theories of gender oppression go further than theories of gender difference and gender inequality by arguing that not only are women different from or unequal to men, but they are actively oppressed, subordinated, and even abused by men. Now, I'm not here to take issue with feminism because, frankly, I think a lot of the platforms that feminists are looking for are positive, and I think they're needed. 
depending, as I found out in my studies with conflict resolution, I, I, I thought feminism was one, one kind of thing, but there are many different perspectives from many different angles of feminism. But the one thing that they would all agree on with this biblical passage is that from their perspective, it promotes patriarchy. Now, what is patriarchy? In a patriarchal society, women are expected to be obedient and submissive to men at all times. That's what the, what the mindset is. So is that what Scripture is saying? Is that God's message for you this morning, ladies? Is that his message for you? Well, let's find out. What is his message to you? And man, am I afraid. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the great things about taking an entire book of the Bible and going through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, is that you often deal with things that you might not want to deal with and, and, and just skip over. A lot of churches would say, we're not going here. It's too hot of a button. But, you know, we, we have to take the whole counsel of God. If we're going to believe some of it, we've got to believe all of it, right? And so what is it saying? Well, ladies, let me first of all assure you that Christianity is not your enemy. It's not your enemy. And some would say that. Say, if you follow Christianity as a woman, you are putting yourself in an inferior position. Not true at all. In fact, in ancient times, a wife was considered the property of her husband. See, Christianity is what changed all that. For example, Aristotle held that a woman, her place was somewhere between a free man and a slave. Somewhere in there. That's where women fit into the whole picture. Tim Keller in his book, The Reasons for God, writes, it was extremely common in the Greco-Roman world to throw out new female infants to die from exposure because of the low status of women in society. Women just weren't valued. And if, if a birth occurred and it was, was, was a female... It was not uncommon or unheard of for the parents just to put that baby out at the direction of the father and expose the baby to exposure. And maybe someone would come along and have mercy and pick the baby up. Maybe the baby would just die. But it really didn't matter because it was a girl. It was a woman. Christian church forbade its members to do anything like that. The Greco-Roman society saw no value in an unmarried woman. Did you know it was illegal for a widow to go more than two years without remarrying? Because you, single woman, you have no value. Christianity was the first religion not to force widows to remarry. Did you know that pagan widows lost all control of their husband's estate when they remarried? The Christian church allowed and encouraged widows to maintain their husband's property and estates because it was part of their well-being. The Greco-Roman society demanded marital fidelity for women, but privileged men to have as many female dalliances as they wanted to. Christianity promoted absolute fidelity in marriage. I can go on and on, trust me. 
But ladies, here's the essence. Christianity has always been your friend. Don't listen to people who say Christianity is your enemy. It is not your enemy. Christianity was, was the starting point. It's what catapulted the value of womanhood in the world, not the other way around. So wives, submit to your husband. So why is there so much consternation? Why do we even sense it here at the bridge today? Well, it goes to defining the terms. Webster has the word submission defined as the act of what? Lowering. The act of submitting to the control of another. Synonym would be subordination. Webster defines that to be placed in or occupying a lower class, rank, or position, in other words, inferior. Submissive to or controlled by an authority, someone over you. Webster defines subordinate as to make subject or subservient to treat of less value or importance. Now, is that God's design? None of those definitions convey the biblical mandate of submission. But it's important for us to take time to do what we're doing this morning because you're going to deal with this out in culture. And Scripture tells us that we're always supposed to be ready to give an answer for what we believe. And when feminists or when other people Hear this idea of wives, submit yourself to your husband. Those are the definitions that they're processing. Make yourself inferior. Put yourself under authority. Make yourself second class. But ladies, particularly wives, that is not God's message to you. That's not what's here. Submit. The word used... And translated into English, submit, is the Greek word hupotasso. And it means to subject, read it with me, oneself. Holds the connotation of putting oneself under, not by compulsion, but willingly. And it's not just a command, just to womanhood. In fact, the idea of biblical submission is actually a Christian virtue. For example, Scripture says that Christians are to submit to civil authorities. We know that Scripture says that it's God who puts civilian authorities in their place, and they're all part of his plan. And that's why we are to submit ourselves to them, their authority over us. It says slaves are to be subordinate to their masters. Now, we're talking arcane. We're going to deal with this because there's a lot of confusion about what this means also. It means younger men are to subordinate themselves to older men. Younger men in the church, you're, you're supposed to, to subordinate yourself to the older men in the church. Younger women, you're supposed to put yourself in subordination to the older women of the church and listen to their, their instruction. Christian children are to be subordinate to their parents and parishioners are to submit yourselves before the elders of the church. 
And I, I can go on. So it's not just something addressed to women. It is addressed to Christians, and it is not something that is negative. It is actually a virtue because if we do it correctly, it brings glory to God. Ephesians 5.21 says it this way. Submit to one another. We're to embrace submission. Why? Out of reverence to Christ. It's important what Paul writes after he says, wives, submit yourselves to the husband, as he qualifies that, as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. It's understanding that this is God's plan. Remember, all scripture is given by inspiration. This isn't some chauvinist 2,000 years ago sitting down and saying, I don't like women. This is God inspiring to say, listen, I am launching out a radical new template for relationships. The world isn't doing it. This, at this time that this was written, this was not a mandate to, for women to submit to their husbands. They were already in submission to their husbands. They were already in submission to mankind or to, to men. God, God's making a difference here, see? And he understands that, that as he now begins to bring womanhood into a place of honor, that this was going to shake the foundations of society, of culture. And it needed to be done with great sensitivity. Also, there was a higher purpose to it. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 2 says this, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Remember, Christianity wasn't what it was is today. This is a whole new deal. This is just getting going. This is an early church. So that if any of them do not believe the word, the word what? The gospel, the story of Christ. They may be won over, not without words, not words saying, well, Jesus says, and this is what the scripture says, and Paul down there says this, and Paul, but he says that they may be won over, not without words, but by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence in your life. In this case, your willingness to put yourself in submission because there's something far more important in the relationship. Now, I've got a list in your bulletin on your sermon note page that you can strike right now because I'm going a different direction. Because, you know, I continue to study this stuff during the week and I had put together a list and my list is... It's going to be a lot like the list that you're going to have, but it's not going to be exact. And if you just have to have the fill in, see me after, and I'll give them to you. Because I know some people already at the first service, like, I said, okay, just get it out and put these words down. But I came across, as I continue to study, a, a list by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth. Nancy is a, is a, a very well-known Christian author and speaker. And I, I thought her list put it a little bit more succinctly. So... What submission is not, ladies and men, it is not to men in general. Scripture is clear. Wives in submission to your own husband. Now, that doesn't mean that in other relationship with men, ladies, that there's not going to be some submission 
But it's not submission in the same way the biblical sense. It's in maybe a work sense to where if our boss is a male, then both men and women are in submission to the boss, right? And the rules of the company. But you are not in submission to males in general. Scripture calls for the submission willing to your own husband. Does not mean a wife is inferior to her husband. It implies nothing like that. In fact, it's just the opposite. Christianity has made women equal with men. God created us equal. In the garden, he said, let us create man in our own image. So he created them male and female, he created them. See, so you're, you're an equal heir to Christ through your relationship with Jesus Christ. You get the same heaven. You get the same blessing of God. You have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have the same love that God puts down on all who become members of his royal family through their faith in Jesus Christ. You are not inferior to your husband. Does not subject a wife to a life of forced compliance. Listen, wherever a husband, particularly a Christian husband, says, you will do this because I am the boss, I am the head, that husband is not acting in his role as a Christian husband, as we'll see. Does not amount to slavish, groveling subservience. Guys, let me read that one again. Does not amount to slavish, groveling subservience. Listen, you did not marry a maid. You did not marry an employee. You did not marry a second-class citizen. And they are not at our beck and demand. Remember this, and this is for men and for women, our ultimate superior is God. And in certain conditions, God has delegated his authority, as in this case in a Christian marriage, to in the marriage for the man to have leadership in the ways that we're going to learn what that is. Doesn't minimize a wife into mindlessness. Doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion and you shouldn't express your opinion. It doesn't mean that at all. You still have a brain and you still have a lot to offer and you should offer your perspective, your opinion. Never requires a wife to follow her husband into sin. Your Christian husband gets some stinking thinking going and says, we're going to go out and party and get drunk. We're going to get high or we're joining a swingers club. The biblical mandate does in no way put any kind of a requirement on you to disobey a godly principle, a godly mandate. God is your king, not your husband. And when your husband gets out of God's place, then you have no obligation to follow him into a life of sinfulness. Never gives license to her husband to abuse her. Mentally, emotionally, physically, economically. It's not a license to abuse. They are not property men. They are not our property husband. They are a gift from God. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. 
I don't know, ladies, why God has made it this way. I don't know a lot of the reasons God has done things and set things up the way he has. Probably the, the one that confuses me the most and is the, his plan of salvation. I don't know why he hasn't made it more demanding. Frankly, as a pastor, I wish sometimes he would have made it more demanding, would have made it more based on works. Because it make my job easier. <laughs> now, as a believer, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad that it's by faith. I'm glad that everyone who believes on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm glad that if we confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him to the dead, you'll be saved. I'm glad that Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. I'm so happy as a believer that that's how it is because I wouldn't stand a chance any other way. But as your pastor, I can get in my flesh sometimes. <laughs> Submission. Then is a defined calling. I would say even beyond defined, it's a divine calling. It's for whatever reason God has made, and one way is, is to win an unbelieving husband, possibly to the cause of Christ. And it's certainly, I believe, so that we can have more harmonious relationships as husband and wife than the world has, so we've got something better to offer them than they've already got. Now, God has designed this not to be oppressive. God has designed what he has designed for our relationships to be healthier and our homes to be healthier. It's fitting. It's, it's what he has designed. So it's a divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership. Now understand, and we're going to learn more about that, about what the role of the husband is in all this, of the man in all of this. And so help to carry it through according to her gifts. Now, husbands, what does Scripture say to you about all this? Ladies, would you like to know? Husbands, would you like to know? See you next week. Now, I feared this was going to happen. Once again, I got further in the first service. Then I got in the second service. I didn't finish, but I went a little further. Now, ladies, I don't want to leave you in limbo. And I hope to get this whole, th I wanted to get through this whole thing to keep it all in context because I don't want you going to say, well, Pastor Pete said that I have to. God says, I got to. I want you leaving angry at me or God. Again, God's purpose in all this is divine. His purpose is pure. His purpose is to promote unity. His purpose is to promote health. His purpose 
above even all of that is that through our relationships, we might give hope to people who are living in relational hopelessness. But as we're going to see next week, it's a reciprocal obligation. It's not one-sided. It's two-sided. And if we will embrace it, you know what? Our relationships are going to be a lot better. And God will receive the glory for it. Let's bow our heads. Ladies, be patient, okay? We're going to bring all this home next week. But here's the word from the Lord that I want you to hear this morning. You are in no way inferior to any man, including your husband. You are in no way loved less by God than he loves any man or your husband. God has called you and God has prescribed a particular relationship, particular in your marriage. I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he set it up that way, but I got to trust that he did it with a pure intent and to promote healthiness. Men, God has put us in a certain place and given us certain responsibilities. And that's what they're really going to amount to, as we'll see next week. And we need to understand and embrace those through a godly perspective that we'll, we'll learn more about next week. Father, have your hand upon us right now. And Holy Spirit, have your place in our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Lord, help us to understand your purity in all this. And help us to understand that you have, you have designed all these radical relationships to be exactly that, radical. But for a purpose. And the purpose is not to oppress either gender or to impress par oppress parents and children or even workers and employers. But to promote harmony and health. Lord, help our ladies today to process what they've heard. Lord, help our men to process what they've heard. And help us as believers now to process it all and, and join with what we're going to learn next week so that we can have a better understanding of what your word means so that we can have better and stronger relationships with each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.